This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. How do kids learn to behave and how to succeed in life? Not by what their parents say, but by the examples their parents set. A leading psychologist joins us. When we see our children as experimenting on us, in a sense, if we see them as wearing little white lab coats with a little notebook, taking notes about what they're finding out about us, then we can ask ourselves, what do we want them to learn about us? Then, are you prepared to live to age 100 and beyond? We'll have advice on how you can plan for a long life and a long retirement. On average, every generation is living nearly up to about 10 years longer than their parents. But, of course, if you base your life plan on your parents, that means you're going to fall short. So we have a lot more life to plan for. Those two stories and much more are straight ahead on this week's show. Don't go away. InfoTrack gets underway right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. When you're a parent, there's never a shortage of parenting advice from family and friends. But how about some child-raising strategies from an expert? Our next guest is a clinical psychologist and parent educator who has lots of ideas for anyone who's raising kids. We welcome Dr. Erica Reicher to InfoTrack. How are you? Fine, thanks, Chris, for having me on today. You're the author of What Great Parents Do, 75 Proven Strategies for Raising Kids Who Thrive. And as I understand it, this is advice based upon research and science. That's right. So basically, I wrote the book that I wanted to have when I first had kids because there's just piles of great research out there and so many other great parenting books. But I found that the best information was kind of, you never knew where it was going to be in the book. So I had dog-eared pages and highlighted passages. And what I wanted to do was have everything in one book. Tell us some of your strategies, or just maybe a few of them, the tools and tips that you offer in your book. So pivoting. Pivoting is a really easy one. It's the art of saying yes instead of no, but meaning the same thing. And it sounds like this. Instead of saying, no, we can't go to the park until you finish your snack, you would pivot and say, yes, we can go to the park as soon as you're done with your snack. So that's a super simple one, very easy to do, doesn't take a lot of effort. The book also has bigger picture ones like, here's one of my favorites, this idea that we want to see our kids as little explorers or little scientists. We can see little kids really testing the world that they live in. You know, they're dropping things and banging things and mixing things and tasting things. And so we see them experimenting in the world that they live in, and that's what they're supposed to be doing. We forget sometimes, I think, as adults, that kids are also experimenting in the social world, which is to say they're experimenting on the people in their lives, which is us, especially, you know, parents, caregivers, siblings, grandparents, anyone who's an important part of their lives, they're going to be driven to what I call experiment on. They don't necessarily think of it that way, obviously, but, you you know, they have to figure out, how do you work? How do I get what I want from you? What happens if I ignore you? What happens if I yell at you? What happens if I have a tantrum? What happens if I, you know, fill in the blank? So when we see our children as experimenting on us, in a sense, if we see them as wearing little white lab coats with a little notebook, taking, you know, notes about what they're finding out about us, then we can ask ourselves, what do we want them to learn about us? That can help us choose the behavior we want to put out there because that will influence how they treat us. So if you've ever had the experience of leaving your kids with a babysitter and going out to dinner and coming back and the babysitter says, oh, they were so great, they went to bed right on time and they ate all their dinner, they were lovely, and you think, 
those weren't my kids. <laughs> <laughs> then you can see how different people, in a sense, influence your children's behavior because they behave differently with your kids. This also happens, you know, with teachers when your child's teacher says, oh, gosh, you know, Billy is such an attentive student. He's always listening. He's great, right? When you see that your child behaves differently in different settings, it's because they're learning from the people in those places that different behavior gets different outcomes from different people. And so we can use ourselves as an instrument to change our children's behavior by changing our behavior. So when we change how we interact with our kids, that will change how they respond to us. We're talking on InfoTrack with Dr. Erica Reicher, author of What Great Parents Do, 75 Proven Strategies for Raising Kids Who Thrive. Dr. Reicher, sometimes parents worry or they're concerned. They think they've made a mistake in something they did with their kid. What advice would you have for parents to maybe not worry so much about making mistakes? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would say that being a great parent is not about being perfect by any means. Not only are mistakes okay in parenting, great parents make mistakes because it can be a really good thing when we make a mistake in front of our kids. It gives us an opportunity to model what to do when you make a mistake. And our kids can see that and it becomes a chance for them to learn, especially if we can respond with integrity and responsibility. The only exception to that really is if we keep making the same mistake again and again and again. That's then I think a a signal that we need to pause and reflect and maybe seek support so that we can change our behavior and respond differently in those situations that might be triggering us. It seems like kids really do, as you sort of touched on this, they mirror what the parents do. So if the dad is smoking a cigarette and he says, don't ever smoke cigarettes, it sort of cancels out the message there. They learn from example, right? Very much, very much. We have to pay attention to what we say and what we do and also how we say it. We can say something that the words might be kind, but if we say it with sarcasm or with eye rolls, for example, it changes the meaning of our words. So we do very much have to pay attention to what we say, how we say it, and then are we acting in accordance with what we say is important. As an example, I worked with a family and they were, one of the minor things they wanted to address was the fact that their son got so upset every time his team lost, a, I think it was a soccer game. And they couldn't understand it because they said, you know, we always tell him that winning is not the main thing and we only want him to try hard and, you know, we don't care if he wins. So they were telling him this message. But as it turned out, once we kind of explored the family dynamic, they realized that when they would watch sports and especially the husband would be watching his favorite baseball team, if his team was losing, he would flip out in front of the TV and get really (laughs) agitated. So even though he was saying out loud, oh, winning doesn't matter, he wasn't really acting that way in his own life. And so that was the message that his son had picked up. You know, that touches on the whole issue of screen time. What do you say about that with television and computers, iPads and kids? Well, I'm not totally against screen time because I think it's entertaining, it's interesting, it can be educational. I do think, though, that screen time should be generally kept on the periphery of family life. I don't think it is conducive to good habits if you're always watching TV during dinner or if we're always putting on the TV whenever we're bored. I think it's important to kind of use screen time in a deliberate way, even if it's just for entertainment and chilling out, but not to let it fill all the extra moments because we know that kids who have a lot of screen time will tend to be less physically active and that of course, influences their health, and it's keeping them from doing other things like playing outside or reading or socializing, and those are really important parts of development. Dr. Rusher, parents, after they have the first child, seem to be a little more relaxed with the second and third and so on. Is that something that you've noticed as well? I think that 
probably happens because there's fewer surprises. You know, I think maybe sometimes first-time parents can be kind of wondering, well, now what's going to happen and what about this? And so, you know, we can feel some anxiety about what's coming and how will we handle it. And after we've been through it before, I think some parents just feel a little bit more comfortable, a little more relaxed, and that generally is a good thing. In terms of the research that you use to put into your book, is there a lot of new information about raising children that's out there, or is some of this mostly tried and true advice? I would say it's tried and true advice. I really strove to include only those ideas that I thought would really stand the test of time. I didn't want any kind of like really cutting edge thing, kind of, let's all drink red wine, let's not have red wine, let's have red meat, no, let's not have red meat. So I didn't want to include those kinds of things. I really wanted to focus on things that I thought would be enduring principles. Well, the book is What Great Parents Do, 75 Proven Strategies for Raising Kids Who Thrive. And the author, Dr. Erica Reicher, who is a clinical psychologist and parent educator. Dr. Reicher, if someone wants to learn more, where can they find you on the Internet? My website address is drericar.com. That's D-R-E-R-I-C-A-R. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate it. Next, can you afford to live to age 100 and beyond? Some eye-opening advice coming up. Don't go away. InfoTrack will be back right after this. 